In 2016, we are, as you know, hopefully by now, on the theme of strong and courageous. That theme comes uh, from a multitude of verses, but we've kind of centered on the one from Joshua, where he says in chapter 1, verse 9, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And we've kind of looked at different ideas from that, and today I'm really excited because we start a new series, and it's called The Fearless Family. This may be, so far, the, the creepiest picture I have found to introduce a series, but hopefully you get the idea. That we're not just thinking of ourselves as this lion-hearted person, but we're really, really beginning to instill that as leaders of our families and within our families. There are lots of reasons to be afraid and fearful as a parent, certainly, uh, maybe even as you see as a grandparent, your grandchildren, the world that they're living and growing up in. I was yesterday... Uh, at my grandparents' farm just east of Douglas, Kansas. Now, both of my grandparents had passed away. The reason I was at their farm was because this would sort of be the last time that all the family would gather together, and we were together and kind of going through the house and finding little mementos, things that would remind us of Grandma and Grandpa, things that would help us to remember their lives. So for me, I spent a lot of the time in my grandfather's shop. It wasn't a fancy shop. Uh, most of the tools are, are gone. But a lot of memories about he and I building things together. And it occurred to me that this was a metaphor. As I went through that old workbench, and I looked at those old tools, and I recalled deeply my grandfather's life, the question occurred in my mind, what kind of house are you going to build? My grandparents were married 59 and a half years my grandfather really looked forward to getting to September of the year he died to say he had been married 60 years. He didn't make it to number 60. But he and his wife, Gracia, built a marriage and a family, a house, a farm. And it caused me to think, I'm, this year will be our, oh man, <laughs> 17th year of marriage. 42 years from now, what will Christy and I have built? Where will Grace and Tyler be, and what will their children be like? It's a good question to ask. I have tears because it was my grandparents, but also because it's a lot different when they started than when I started. It's a much different world I have in my hand my grandfather's, one of my grandfather's many watches. Tyler found them and he asked if he could have them and said yes. And as I look at it, I can remember him so clearly 
wearing that watch. It, it was a mechanic's watch. I mean, it, it was a you know just a regular Timex. But I, what I mean by that is he used it, <laughs> and it was on him every day. And when we'd go out in the shop, he'd take that watch off and he'd set it up there. And, and even as I was looking at it very closely, I found a couple of old specks of sawdust in the in the grooves because it was just something he took with him. It doesn't keep time anymore, at least not very well. The other watch is the time has stopped. Eventually, eventually the time stops and the time runs out. And you don't have time to build anymore. And what's left, what survives, depends largely on how you built starting out. A lot of memories that day, but a lot of things that made me think about our family here at Northside. Turn to Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. Joshua there says in this passage something that is inspiring to me and hopefully challenging to you. He says, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day who you will serve. Whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household we will serve the Lord. Joshua called Israel, all Israel, the entire nation, to fear God and to serve him. But he said he called them to a decision point. He said, Israel, you have to decide who you're going to be. Our elders, as they think of the vision for Northside, they have to imagine who Northside is going to be. And that means you have to make some choices. About what you're going to leave behind and, and what you're going to move forward. And this is what Joshua does with Israel. He says, you got to choose who you're going to serve. You're going to serve the gods of this land or the gods of the lands of, the, of your ancestors. Or are you going to serve the God of heaven and earth? I don't care what you all do, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. You see, Joshua was thinking about how to build. He was thinking about the future. He was thinking about what he would leave behind when his time ran out. You and I have the same choice today. Joshua led Israel. He called them to fear God and to serve them. But he did more than just call them. He led by example. He said, you guys choose, but I'm going this way. That's leadership. And that's what God calls us to do as well. So in this series, we're going to use kind of a metaphor for the family. And that metaphor is a house. When we talk about a family, we're not just talking about my family or your family. We're talking about the idea of family. And fortunately, that's been so twisted in our world today that it's very confusing as to what constitutes a family. But in the beginning, it was not so unclear. God had something in mind from the very beginning. 
You see, when we're talking about the family, we're talking about an old house. Maybe you've seen the program, This Old House. He goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 2. God formed something, if you think about it, that, that predates the church. It predates the formation of nations. Before anything that was in this world is, God saw one thing that man needed. Genesis chapter 2 verse 18, the scripture says that God looked at everything and saw that it was good. But he saw one thing that was not good. For man to be alone. Now, if you ever remember back, men, to your bachelor days, you realize what that scripture is talking about. It's not good for you to be alone. But in a much more deeper way, none of us are designed to be an island. We are designed relationally. And so God began the family. All of us have a family, the one you were born into. You didn't get a choice in that matter. And whatever values your parents decided to instill in you, whatever ethics they decided to bring to you. Uh, yesterday, we did the memorial for Jim Block. And his sons got up and talked about how, they, how he was always instilling with him the value of hard work and the value of character and the value of doing your best. Oh, those are things that they brought to their sons. And that's up to the parents but what type of family that you run, the, the type of family that, that you lead, well, that's completely up to you. You get to choose. Now, if you want to have a strong house, there's just one simple rule, and it's this. A strong house must have a, a solid foundation. Psalm chapter 127, verse 1 says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders Labor in vain. You think about your legacy and how quickly your life will pass away. When we were out at the farm, there were trunks and trunks of old pictures of presumably our relatives, but they, we didn't know their names. And we, there was nothing we could do with them. And no one wanted them. They were just pictures of old people. But I thought this was someone's life. That, that was someone who, who lived a time on earth. They did things. They brought things to this world. And yet that legacy quickly disappears. You bring nothing to this world. You leave this world with nothing. The only thing that you leave behind is the legacy left through your family. And unless the Lord builds that legacy, you build in vain. If you want a strong and lasting family, you have to build correctly. What makes a strong house has to do with what it's built on, not who built it or what it's built with. If you think about a, sci a skyscraper, and they go up, in some cases, several stories uh, up into the sky and... The only way that they can build a structure like that is to spend years building the foundation, going down, getting the bedrock, uh, making sure that is absolutely as solid and level as it can be because it's got to hold something that has to last. You know, on the Tuesday morning when jetliners hit the World Trade Center, as those airplanes struck, can you only imagine engineering nerds along with me, the forces that must have endured for that foundation to hold true for such a blow. It's incredible. Now, eventually, of course, the structure would collapse. But this, the foundation held. If you want your family to last, 
It's about the foundation more than anything else. In my backyard, I have a little playhouse. Uh, It's not for me. And we put that out there. Unfortunately, my, my yard is on a slope. So I tried to find the point where it was the most level, but it wasn't perfectly level. And so now the playhouse is tilting a little bit. And you would not be surprised that I told Christy, don't let the children play up there until I get it back leveled out. Because I need it to be safe and secure. Most families in today's culture look something like the Leaning Tower of Pisa because they are not built on a solid foundation. They're built on the foundation of what the conventional wisdom tells us. They're built on the foundation of what our parents or their parents taught us. But if you want to build strongly, you have to build, as Joshua did, upon the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 says this, Another foundation can no man lay than that which is laid in Christ Jesus. Now, in the context, Paul's writing to the church at Corinth. The church at Corinth was sort of leaning like the Tower of Pisa. It was, it was absolutely kind of leaning over. It was about ready to fall. He's addressing all these problems. Paul says, if you want to get things right, you've got to get back to the foundation. You've got to level that back out. Jesus is the foundation on, upon which you should build your life, upon which a church should be built. Even the most successful careers, I'm convinced, are people who are God-fearing, God-seeking, God-centered, Bible-fearing people. It's the best foundation for anything you can build. That old song, the soul that on Jesus leans for repose. I will not, I will not desert to its foes. That soul, though all hell should endeavor to shake, I'll never, no, never, never forsake. If you want to build a strong, godly family, then you have to build on the right foundation. All right, how do we do that is the logical question. We want to build on the Word. We want to build on the Word of God, but we also want to build on the living Word of God, Jesus Christ. Well, Deuteronomy 6, which Adam read so beautifully, although he was up here a while, uh, gives us two very simple principles. One, you've got to know the Word. Verses 4 through 6 Read this way in Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. A Jewish families not only knew the word by reading it. I mean, it was more than the Torah 90 days or whatever. It was it was that they memorized it. They taught their children to know the word of God. Uh, Jewish families read it and recited it. They learned by retelling the stories. You and I have so many Bibles, uh, it's just hard to keep track of them all. It's something we take for granted. For most of human history, the Word of God was not passed by reading it on a screen or let alone from a page, but by the words of one generation telling another. And there's still value in that, tremendous value in that, that, that you might teach your children to know the Word. That you might know the word. Psalm chapter 78 verses 4 through 7 says that we will not hide your word from our descendants. 
we will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of Jacob, of the Lord, his powers and the wonders he has done. He decreed statutes for for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children. So the next generation would know them, even children yet to be born, and they in turn would their, tell their children. They would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but keep his commands. But it's not enough just to know the word. Seniors, you're getting ready to graduate. You're getting ready to sort of fly the nest and all of you going different paths. And you've been taught a lot of Bible if you've been at Northside from this pulpit from the teen room, camps, retreats. But it's not just enough to know it. What's going to make the difference, whether you're a Christian in five years or ten years or the rest of your life, what's going to make a difference in how you build your house is what you build it on. Deuteronomy 6 gives us the second principle, which is to live the word. When the word is rooted in your heart, it plays out in your life. Children see and do what they see being done. If your children are doing and saying things, the logical question to ask is where did they see that being done? In verses 7 through 9, it says this, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your, of your houses and your gates. Now, I, don't, I think this is speaking to a principle here. Don't just know the word, but live the word so that your children can know how to live it themselves. Scary thought, but I believe it's true. Your children will do exactly what they see you doing. And they'll probably do it to another degree. I was going to share some examples. I thought, no, that'd be too bad. I, I don't want to pick on people. Let me pick on some biblical characters, okay? Think about the character Abraham. Now, Abram had a little trouble with lying. And so it's interesting to me that his, both his son, Isaac, and his grandson, Jacob, and Jacob, his name literally means he deceives, and he got that from when he was born. The, the things that you struggle with will not necessarily be the fault of your children, but your children will have a tendency toward those things. David, as we know, infamously had uh, committed adultery with Bathsheba. His Solomon, his son Solomon, certainly did not live a monogamous life and did not build his house as God would have intended it. Just think about those examples as you think about your own life. Your life is your sermon, not just to your children, but to your family. Now, you're admittedly somewhat kind of maybe a, a teensy bit impressed with the preacher because he, he knows the word, he preaches the word, you know, all of that. But listen to me. The people who know whether I live this or not, there's about three of them. 
And they know, they've seen me at my worst. They've seen me when I'm sick and tired. And when they're sick and tired, they've watched my life. And your family in the same way knows you. So my question is, if your life is your sermon, what are you preaching to your family? The rest of this series is then about two kinds of walls in your home. Structurally speaking, you build a house and there are two kinds of walls. The first are the permanent walls. These are the structural walls. They are connected. They carry the load that's being pressed on the house and they connect that directly to the foundation. And when we speak of the family, there are structural walls. I was speaking to my friend Josh Herman, a great architect. Um, he's going to give Frank Lloyd Wright a run for his money. And he was telling me that these walls are immovable. Or, I mean, they are movable, but only at great cost and expense. Because they weren't meant to be moved. They're integral to the structure. God has some words to say on the permanent walls of our home. About fathers and mothers and covenants. Yeah, that's what he is concerned about. The Bible, believe it or not, says very little about how to raise a family. The practical, ins and outs, days to day, day to day. Uh, there's a picture of me when Tyler was first born. I'm just holding him against my shoulder and I look exhausted. I am exhausted. My journey's only begun. And I'm just completely overwhelmed because the thought I have is, what do I do now? I remember thinking as these people came to the hospital to see baby Tyler, and they, and they kept coming and going and coming and going. Eventually, it was time for us to leave. The nurse came in and said, it's time for you to leave. And it seemed strange to me that they were letting me walk out of the hospital with a baby. And no one questioned that. I didn't know what I was doing. And I can't turn to a Bible verse that says, on day one, thou shalt change the diaper. You know, it, it's not in there. There's a reason for that, because God doesn't, isn't as concerned with the second type of walls, and those are the partition walls. And those are the walls that can be moved and changed. They're flexible. Every home has a different floor plan. You can do whatever suits your family best. And so when I preach, my goal is to focus on the permanent walls and to let you focus on the partition walls. Partition walls are things like, what time do your children go to bed? Five o'clock in the evening is what we like to use. <laughs> Parenting styles. Do, do we spank or not spank? Do we time out or no? Uh, communication methods. What age do we let our kids have this? Uh, uh, what kind of traditions do we have? All of those things are, are difficult issues to parent through. But none of them are in the Bible. And that reminds us that God's only concerned about the big things. The, the, the movable walls will move them. Do what works best with your family. And I'll give this one caveat that it's wise. Do what's wise and works best for your family. Well, you think, oh, this whole series, I ought to just skip it because you don't even know my family. We put the fun in dysfunction, baby. Um, I don't even know where to start. And Toby just said he's not going to get into the movable walls. He's going to talk about the structural walls. I already know all about that. What am I supposed to do? I'm just going to come here and feel guilty? No. 
At Northside, we want to help you and we want to help every family in their journey. We have something in two weeks. I hope you'll write it down or just take a picture of the screen coming up. Elaine, our counselor on staff, uh, she serves the folks, uh, every member at Northside. And it's a wonderful thing. And, and she is committed in 2016 to doing these regular workshops to help people, to, to talk about the practical things that the incompetent preacher doesn't address. She is going to help the uh, anyone who wants Anyone can come. They're absolutely free. It's going to be two weeks from today in the fireside room from 1230 to 2. So it's a very easy thing. And if you'd like to come but you're having babysitting issues... Uh, talk to me and I'll talk to our youth minister and I'm kidding um, what find uh, a way to come to this if you're having some dysfunction and some real rubber meets the road kind of issues we'd love to help you as you go along well that's all we're going to talk about today next week uh, we're going to talk about being a mighty mom uh, you want to talk about something I have zero experience in but the Bible has plenty to say about the Bible addresses all of the permanent walls because God wants your house to be built strongly. But hear me again. It's not what you build it out of or who builds it. It's what you build it on. And so if you are not in Christ this morning, I want to invite you to come and to make him to choose to let him lead your life. To begin leveling the ground and setting the foundation based solely on Jesus and his teachings and the word of God. It's a beautiful opportunity and we'd love to help you do that. If you haven't done that and you're ready to, come down front. Our elders or myself will meet you. And if you're thinking about doing that but don't want to march all the way down front, I will be at the south, uh, the north door this morning. And if you'd like to talk to me personally, I'll be right there and happy to visit with you. If you have any need, please come as together we stand and sing.